0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cozy Bear Farms podcast. I'm your host, Dejan Yerby, and today I'm interviewing a very special guest. She is the host of the Little Decisions podcast. She is a frequent farmer's market goer. She is also a vendor at the farmer's market that I'm at, and everybody loves her, and she has a weird obsession with pineapples.
1: I do. I do. Hey, everyone. I'm Victoria Cooper. How yeah, are you, you lo-
0: Let me say what your name is. I already did it. I wanted to do yeah, it. Okay. Well, yeah, it's Victoria Cooper.
1: <laughs> this is a good indication of how it's going to go.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to bring you on because, one, you're my favorite customer. Two, you're a really talkative person that a lot of vendors are not. And three I just wanted people to know more About your actual podcast too Cause it's amazing And I'm also on one of your episodes
1: Yeah you are Yeah yeah. yeah. Our interview was really fun
0: People get to see a different side of Cozy
1: They do I had to edit some of that out Yeah, different side
0: And that's fine yeah. Cause this is a ch- This is a children's show Yeah But let's get into these questions. So, like, everybody knows when I do an ad talk, there's ten questions that we're going to go into. We're going to try to make this short and simple, but I'm going to let whoever answer these questions say as much as they want to. I'm not going to stop them. Oh, Lord. But this is not going to be a three-hour Joe Rogan podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's not going to be one of those. So the first question is, where, where were you born and raised?
1: Okay, so I was born in Illinois, but I was raised here in Georgia, in Warner Robins, Georgia.
0: Oh, Warner Robins?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, two hours south of here where there's a base and there's a strip club. And I was <laughs> raised on the base, not the strip club.
0: Okay, yeah, cool, cool it on the strip club. I was going to talk about their football team. Yeah. Yeah, they have a really good football team. They
1: do. They, well, actually, they have a couple really good football teams. Like Warner Robins and Northside are usually in the top two for the state.
0: Yeah, y'all have really good football teams. Mm-hmm. So. What made you want to come up here to, uh, not Athens, but Winterville area?
1: Well, so I wanted to just come. I came up here for college. I came up to Athens for college, and I just never left. I loved it. And my husband was up here. Mm-hmm. He, he was actually from the same hometown. Uh, we met in our hometown, but I was moving up here. And so we kind of started dating, and then we both fell in love with Athens while we fell in love with each other, I
0: guess. So you just stayed up. So you met in one of Robins, and then you moved up here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you trick him to go from there to here?
1: Well, he was already living up here. Oh. Yeah, he'd already established himself up here. And then I kind of came up here once I knew he was up here. I was actually dating his best friend. It's a whole thing. Oh,
0: okay. We're not going to go into that.
1: Yeah, no, it's a whole thing. It's
0: good. But that's cool, though, that you guys found love in Athens. That's almost everybody's story when they come to Were you at UGA? Yeah, we
1: were at
0: UGA. What were you studying at UGA? So I
1: studied history for my undergrad.
0: Oh. Yeah,
1: so I'm a history nerd.
0: Okay. Yeah. What was he doing?
1: He was doing computer science.
0: Oh, of course that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and it took him a couple years extra to do it. But computer science is hard.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Nobody wants to deal with computer science.
1: Uh-uh, that JavaScript stuff is no is no joke. A Java what? JavaScript. Oh,
0: just... Yeah, it's All computer right. language. But why... Okay, so now you are in Athens, but really you're in Winterville. Yeah. So what made you want to come to Winterville?
1: Well, so I don't live in Winterville. I have family that lives in Winterville. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, I wanted to come to Winterville just as far as, like, a podcast and everything because Winterville and Athens kind of remind me of what I think a southern town is. Like, kind of that um, greenscape with community that has people involved in things and they're really connected and everyone is really kind of nice and, like, Mm -hmm. artists are respected of all different types. Um, And you can be, you can just be who you are, I think, in Athens in Winterville and that's accepted
0: right. what makes you give? what makes the towns give out that kind of vibe though
1: you know I think it's the people I think it's the community I think they support each other and you know there's like this whole movement to keep Athens weird you know and I think mm-hmm. I think there's a sub movement to keep Winterville kind of like um, sort of what, what does Dodd call it that uh, screen porch community? Mm. you know, to keep it that, that small town.
0: The know? only reason I ask that because I was born and raised in Athens. Yeah. And growing up, we never had all this weird artsy stuff. Yeah. So it just blew up one year. I want to say in 2014, it just blew up.
2: That makes sense. Yeah, I was here for some of
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, it just blew up where you had like the artists were just taking over. The, was what, it called? The wild rumpus mm-hmm. parade thing was going on. And... It is weird, too, when you're born and raised in a town and then you have new people that come to the town that tells you, we've been here for a long time. This stuff been going on forever. And it's like, no, it has not. Like, Athens has changed. Yeah,
1: Athens very much has changed. I think it changes every couple years.
0: hmm Yeah. Kind of is getting more and more into a college town and more and more into, like, a food hub kind of place. Yeah. Where you see a lot more restaurants. You're seeing a lot more chefs. You're seeing a lot more... People that actually want to learn where their food is coming from. So, because when we were young, it was like junk food. Uh, nobody really was caring where tomatoes came from. Yeah. But now there's like a whole movement everywhere of like we, we want to know where stuff is coming from. Where are farmers' markets and stuff?
1: Yeah, I think there's a whole movement to figure out who's in the community and to have them represented and so i think that looks differently in different places
0: mm-hmm. but
1: like right now in athens it's very much that artist scene has kind of emerged
0: yeah wow oh. yeah i like it though i like how it's changing
2: yeah i like it too
0: yeah i don't think it's changing for the worse i think it is changing for the better i know some people don't like the whole college scene but then it's kind of like just move out to winterville Exactly. Yeah, if you want the old school, how Athens used to be, Winterville's a great place for that. Yeah. Like, we're in the middle of a park right now. We're not in the studio. We're in the middle of a park recording this. And there are people walking their dogs, and there's kids that should be in school. I don't know how they're not in school, but we're not going to snitch on them. Yeah,
2: we're
0: not. Nobody's listening to this show. (laughs) But, okay, so what made you want to be super involved with Winterville, though?
1: what attracted me to
0: winterville was just the way oh wait hold on let me let me fade, like set up this question though because people might not know this when the winterville farmers market was starting like you just came out the blue yeah. as a whirlwind yeah, I'm and like, was just, got a podcast. and was just like you were so involved in the community part of the farmers market and what the farmers market meant to the community so that's what i meant like what made you want to get so involved
1: yeah, so I think what made me want to get so involved with kind of the farmers market and Winterville specifically is just the the way it feels. It feels like Mayberry from Andy Griffith's show, like that little small town feel. Have you seen that? It's like a perfect town
0: from the Andy Griffith show. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that my yeah. mom loves that show.
1: Yeah, it's it's old school. It's an old school reference, but but that's it's called the town they're in is called Mayberry, and it reminds me Winterville reminds me of Mayberry. It's like where everyone is just accepting of everyone.
0: You remember how lit everybody got when they changed it to color?
1: Yeah, that was crazy. (laughs) They went insane.
0: When stuff went from black and white to color, and everybody was all like, that's what the town looks like. Uh Uh-huh. It needed a real paint job. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm sorry when you mentioned that. I just remember how lit everybody got when it went from black and white to color. Oh, and it yeah. was all like, what's going on? I, when I was born, everything was in color. Yeah. And so my mom was like, oh, this show's been black and white for years. Yeah. So when it went into color, it was like, what? Yeah,
1: My kids call it the gray show. They want to watch the gray show. The
0: gray show? The
1: gray show. That's mm. what they call it. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I will call it the gray show. Yeah, see? It's great. Yeah, gray show. Mm-hmm. But so... From your point of view, from a customer point of view. Yeah. And say so you're not a part of the farmer's market, right? mm mm-hmm. Because when you came to the farmer's market, you weren't a part of it yet. You came, like, as a customer. I did, yep. And then you just, like, whirlwind, showed up, whole podcast studio, set up, everything. Yep. But when you – what makes you want to come to a farmer's market from the customer's point of view? Yeah,
1: so I come to a farmer's market when I want to get – I mean, I want to get local produce and local wares, you know, so maybe uh, artisan gifts or pottery. Or uh, I know there's vendors that sell books and things like that. You know, I want to invest in the local business. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's my primary reason for coming to a farmer's market is to support local businesses. And then my secondary is to build that sense of community. So, you know, I'm interested in the authors that are in this town. I'm interested in the artists that are in this town. I'm interested in the farmers that, you know, farm in this town or near this town Mm -hmm. and, and what they sell. Um, and so that's what I've come for as well is that sense of community and that type of uh, connection to it. And, you know, and it's personal. And I enjoy, like, that's why I love the farmer's market so much because I enjoy talking to everyone. You
0: know, did, I, did, I'm sorry to Did this market meet your expectations of, like, what you would expect to be at a farmer's market when oh, you showed up? Oh, it exceeded
1: it. It exceeded it. So, like, I, I think a lot of people come to a farmer's market to get energy of some mm-hmm. sort but I think in this farmer's market in particular, there's just a different type of energy. It's just very positive and very kind. And it was exactly where I wanted to be.
0: That so. makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then from, so me and you both have said this, when it comes to talking to customers and um, interacting with them, a lot of times farmers or bakers or whoever, just a vendor, for uh, most times, we all want to be our own business person. But most times, it'd be the most introverted people that are trying to be vendors and trying to be their own business owners, which is completely fine because I'm an introvert, too, believe it or not. Yeah, I got to charge up my battery super hard before I come to a farmer's market yeah. just to be like, okay, we're doing this. But um, from, from your point of view, because you're a vendor and you talk to your customers, What advice would you give to the vendors who are struggling with, hey, I'm trying to communicate with the people when I'm trying to sell my product or just at least start up a conversation with them?
1: Yeah, well, people make it complicated and they really got to keep it simple. So what you think of it like you're kissing their butt a little bit. So keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. and talk about whatever's going on in that moment. So, you know, if they're looking at, like, a rutabaga, don't be like, hey, yeah, rutabagas, those are great, right? That's awkward. But talk about how beautiful the weather is today. Be like, oh, I'm so glad you made it out today. The weather has just been great. You know, every Saturday that we've been at the farmer's market, it's been beautiful weather, you know, and let them respond to that. Um, Just kind of be natural in what you're talking about and talk about whatever's around, Mm -hmm. and people will kind of, from that, you can gauge how interested they are. Because it, it might be me, and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, and we're going to have a 20-minute conversation about whatever. Or it might be someone who's not really interested in having a full conversation, and you can kind of gauge that from them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, those customers appreciate that when they don't have to entertain as well. you know. So it's it's about reading the person a little bit, and you can do that very easily by just kind of like assessing what's around.
0: I like how you said that because I have noticed that sometimes uh – Like, if you know me, I'm not finna yell at a customer saying, hey, I have tomatoes or, hey, I have cucumbers. Yeah. Like, I'm not that type of person, but I will say some random stuff. Yeah. Like, when I saw somebody with a lot of tattoos, I I flat out said, I was like, dang, girl, you got tattoo tattoos. Like, (laughs) where you get all these tattoos from? And it turns out she was a tattoo artist. And we had a 20-minute conversation about this TV show called Ink Master. Yeah. And then she ended up buying produce. But my mindset wasn't selling produce to her. My mindset was, oh, that person got really nice tattoos. I'm going to compliment the tattoos. Exactly. And then it just led off into something else. And now she's like a regular customer. Yeah. But I do notice when you do have some vendors that do the... Hey, I sell. I'm trying to think of something that none of our vendors sell because I ain't trying to throw nobody under a bus. Pumpkins. Yeah. I, nope. Somebody does sell pumpkins. Um. Uh. Puppets. Hey, go. I sell puppets why is a puppet vendor going to show up? Yeah, they are. (laughs) Well, it's like, hey, I sell puppets. I have great, amazing puppets and stuff. And I noticed that when you scream out your product to people, that it kind of deters people from coming to your booth.
1: Yeah. You know what? The whole thing is, is they want to be noticed. You know, they want to be noticed. So uh, I try to give the customer that sort of attention. Like, I try to find out their name, Mm -hmm. and then I use their name. Because people think that the most beautiful thing they ever hear is their name. They love it. Mm-hmm. so And that builds a relationship, too.
0: Unless your name is Richard. Yeah, then
1: it's,
0: well, yeah. Yeah, nobody likes, no, nobody likes that name. No,
1: not Richard. Mm-hmm. That's a boring name.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I do get that. But I think some people, some people are going to ask the question of, okay, what if I don't, you know, blurt out what I have? How am I going to get people to come to my booth?
1: Well, I think you do that in a whole bunch of nonverbal ways. I think you do that by your presence. If you've noticed, my booth always has a presence, and mm-hmm. it's always a little bit different. Um, I never had the same booth twice because I'm neither the same person on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So the booth kind of reflects me. Um, and so mine is very like outgoing and forward-facing and has a lot of stuff in a small space so that people can really like get in there and look at different things you know Hmm. i I mean i and i do that on purpose because i want them moving very slowly through the booth so i can talk to them Mm -hmm. while they're doing that you know and the recorder is up at the front of the booth so i want them near the front so i front load
2: my stuff
0: so that's smart for your booth so would you suggest that the vendors find like their own niche at their own booth, kind of like what works for them yeah and play off of that yeah
1: because if you're not a person who wants to be out front the whole time and you can't sustain that don't do that it's okay to be behind your stuff as long as you have it set up in such a way that your stuff has its own presence Mm -hmm. so it can speak for you.
0: So let's set this up. Let's set up this scenario. You're a customer coming in. You don't have, like, this is your first time coming to the market, and you do the normal, I'm going to walk around the whole market, see everybody's stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, before you buy. Yeah. What are small things that you might pick up on that you might say, I'm going to go to that person over this person?
1: It's a smile.
0: They a, smile? Yeah,
1: they smile, look up, and acknowledge me in some way. Okay. Yeah. That's a very simple gesture, but that tells me, hey, yeah, they're a person. I want to engage with that person. Because hmm. we're social creatures by nature. So smiles I'm not. Are very, don't like, say that. Well, you're not. But, you, but you're but you at a farmer's market, so I think in some ways you are. Mm. It just takes a lot for you.
0: Yeah. Uh, I thought you was going to say the uh, booth setup. Yeah. Because if it's me, if I'm coming in... I like seeing people's stuff that makes it look like they're professional. Yeah, that's true. So, if I see somebody's booth, like, say there's two cake vendors. And one cake vendor has their whole booth set up where it's more inviting and more interacting. And, like, I kind of walk in and it looks more like a storefront. Like, there's a mini store. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody that just has a normal table and just throws cakes on the tables. Yeah. I'm probably not going to go to your booth. No, that's true. Because that kind of shows me, like, either one, you're unprofessional, or two, you just don't care. Yeah. So that would be from my point of view. But everybody doesn't look at stuff from my point of view.
2: Yeah,
1: see, I don't look at it that way. I look at it from the person, the person perspective. So I'm checking out who's behind the booth, you know, and, mm. and how, how are they a part of what they're selling. Because I think things go hand in hand. You know, like you wouldn't have a podcast about kindness, but I do. And it makes perfect sense. Like when you see Mm -hmm. me and you say, oh, yeah, she's got a podcast about kindness. Yeah, I can see that. You know, Mm -hmm. I can see you being a farmer. You know, like, I mean, I like I think in some ways we resemble what we are so we can use that to our advantage.
2: Mm.
1: You know, Uh, but I think you've got to find out what that niche is that that you're a part of that makes you so unique to whatever you're selling or whatever you're doing. And then that's what attracts people is the uniqueness of it.
0: Yeah, I think if you're more genuine in whatever you're doing, it's going to attract people. Because we have two flower farmers, and they're kind of close to each other. But they set up their booths completely different from one in, from one another. And they both look great. Yep. But like you said, like those small little gestures, like if one doesn't smile and the other one does smile, you might go to the one that smiled to you over the one that didn't smile to you. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and in my mind i'm gonna walk in there and i'm gonna be looking like whose booth looks the best yeah, yeah. so but that's just from my upbringing yeah. you know it's like we in our family it's kind of like if it we don't care how the people act it's just like if the product is good and it looks good we'll get it yeah. we're not really that honed on the people aspect of it yeah see i pay attention to the
1: message i want to know what the message is with the because I can buy your product from five different places. Yeah. so what makes you better than the five or four other places?
0: Well that's cool that's why I said I want like that I wanted to bring you on the show because you never know what connections you have with your customers and again, like you have a completely point different point of view to a market than I would yeah and we would have never known that if we did not talk. Yeah. so because even though I might not scream out whatever, if you come to my booth, you're going to leave off saying that was an interesting conversation.
1: Yeah. You, you are very actually fact-driven when I go to your booth. You'll end up spouting off some fact about um, whatever I have mentioned or, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, well, the cucumbers aren't doing well because of blah, 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 blah. And that's because of the rain cycle with blah, 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 blah. Like, you're just a natural educator. Which is really empowering. That's good because knowledge is powerful. So you're giving people power. That's a a good thing. They like that. But it's no wonder you have to recharge your battery so much.
0: Or I say something completely out of left field and everybody's just like, what did you just say? And it's like, it was the first thing that came to my mind and I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh,
1: I used to say when I worked at a substance abuse facility, um, I can't control my first thought, but I can control my second.
0: No, I can't control none of those thoughts. They're coming out. (laughs) like i think i saw somebody walk up to the market with a cat on a leash and i was just like what are we doing yeah and the lady was like well we wanted to bring our cat and i was like holding your hand and they were like what and i was like just hold the cat in your hand yeah why
2: would you have it on a
0: leash like don't put it on no leash dude the cat doesn't
1: know what to do with a leash
0: well i'm just looking like when you have a cat i think cats are the one this is getting so off topic i think when you have ant like pets dogs yeah put them on the leash because they they don't know for like a few months that this is where i get my food so i have to stay here yeah cats are like you can you can legit just leave your cat alone yeah
2: they'll and, be fine.
0: and just put food in the bowl and you know your cat's fine because the cat's like okay yeah this is my territory Well,
1: and what about the cat made you think it wanted to go to a farmer's market I don't know. Was it like reading the paper Saturday morning? And you were like, yeah, you're right, Oscar the cat. We should go to the farmer's market.
0: I don't want to judge people bringing their cats. If you want to bring your cat to the farmer's market, you can do it. I'm just saying, I'm not going to judge you out loud.
1: Yeah.
0: But in my mind, there's going to be some judgment going down.
1: Yeah. I'm just curious how that happened. Yeah. I
0: don't know. But I just asked them what what we're doing here. And... Yeah. Whenever I say what we're doing here, it's basically me saying, what the heck is going on? Yeah. So when I say what we're we doing here, it's like, what, what is this?
1: Well, and that happens at least one Saturday, uh, at least once every Saturday at the Miracle Market, where I often am like, what's going on here? Like, what's happening here? Just because I think we just attract different people to the market, like, mm-hmm. because Athens and Winterville is, is just full of such diverse people.
0: How important are locations to you when it comes to farmers markets? Like, do you really care about how, where the location is? Not really. Not really? Not, not to really. you? Mm-mm, no. I do know, like, I've been at a farmer's market where it was, like, legitimately behind a brick wall. And nobody could find us. Mm-hmm. And it was super hard to get people to come find us.
1: I could see that. I could see that being a problem. But that doesn't seem like a common
2: issue.
0: It is in some places. Some places, location mm-hmm. is a big deal. So, like, with our market, we're in the middle of a park. When people drive by, if they see tents, they might turn around and come in. But if you're downtown and you're surrounded by buildings, if you're not doing enough promotion for that market, people might not know where it's at.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's fair. Um, I think the Marigold market does a really – they do a really good job. Sherry Anderson and them do a really good job of advertising our market. So I think you have word of mouth and Mm -hmm. you have, you know, that drive-by appeal. Mm-hmm. So, I think as long as you have one of those, uh, then location shouldn't matter as much.
0: I can see that.
2: Yeah.
0: What kind of promote... So, I know people are going to ask this, too. Like, how should we promote ourselves to... So, I say you are going through, you know, on Google and you're typing in farmer's markets online. Like, what is the type of stuff you would want to see to attract you to go to that farmer's market?
1: Um, I think the Times... I think that matters. I don't want an 8 to 11 a.m. farmer's market. I mean, there's nothing wrong with an 8 to 12, but that seems a little short. Like mm-hmm. I, By the time I get up and get going and get the kids dressed, it's already 10.30. So cut me some slack. So I like a market that's a little bit later in the day. So like 10 to 2, like the Marigold Market, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it just, it just depends. I think if they have a good social media presence then that really helps because that tells me someone put the time and effort to into that mm-hmm. and that tells me that it's probably a venture worth my time um, and also usually with social media you can tell how many people are going and so you can see how busy it is going to be that is true yeah
0: if you was a so you are a vendor at the market but if you this is advice again for a vendor if you were to you do a good job at this if you, so you know farmers market is not like it's not guaranteed people are going to buy from you yeah. or guaranteed that people going to know that you're there. Yeah. What would what advice would you give to a vendor to promote themselves?
2: Yeah.
0: With the caveat of I'm at a farmers market and using the market to help promote themselves too. What advice would you give them? Social media. Social media? Social
1: media goes right into a person's hand. And if you think about it it really plays an influence on us whether we want to admit it or not everyone's Mm -hmm. on it everyone has it um and so i think if if the if the farmer's market has a good social media presence you know offer to do a live with them you know Mm. like on facebook or instagram or whatever um Mm -hmm. that would help promote your presence it depends on how much promotion you want to do but um i think social media is an easy one and then i think um beforehand you know like taking pictures of your booth and uh doing like a little setup, like a little live video where you talk about that. Like that helps p- engage people because people are interested in that. They're interested in how you set up your booth, you know, and why mm-hmm. you did it that way. I think there are people out there who will want to hear that story, um, especially because I've heard you explain why you, how you set up your booth, and that is fascinating to me. You mm-hmm. know, you take everything that you have, right, and then you determine mm-hmm. how you're going to set it up. So you're a big picture person. See, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a small picture person, so I will look at it completely differently.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so devil's advocate, I know some people, people have been asking me this question. Yeah. And I was like, I'll talk to Victoria about this discussion time. So because social media, and this is no fault of their own, is turning more into a content creator uh, wasteland where it is going to be harder for small businesses to promote themselves. Because if you are a baker, you're not really on TikTok doing cringy dances, trying to get a bunch of views You're probably just going to use social media to promote your business. But now since because they are social media is switching more to a content creator algorithm, a lot of our stuff is probably going to be overshadowed by actual content creators. So what would you advise those farmers or not farmers, but vendors to do?
1: So there's a couple ways you can approach that. You can get with other vendors that are like you and maybe like do something together, mm-hmm. and that will help cross-promotion, which is good. That helps the algorithms. Or you can also maybe find your own little niche. So I hate TikTok. I didn't want to join TikTok, but I knew my podcast had to have a presence on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I do what's called typing on TikTok, which is I got a typewriter and I literally type out what I want to say on TikTok and I have a song to it. And so and it's usually kind of poppy and for whatever mm-hmm. reason that gets enough hits, you know? But it's just an update on the podcast. That's all it is. But it's it's a different way of kind of approaching it, you know? So you can you can try that. You can try and find like something that you're comfortable with that would get eyes on it on a certain social media platform.
0: I think the most important thing, because I have my own point of view from it. Yeah. So I think the most important, like if you would do it from your from your side, I think the most important thing is, is to use that algorithm to attract the people that are going to like your stuff. Yeah. Like don't shoot for everybody. It is going to yeah. be more niche heavy now. Mm-hmm. And from my point of view from answering this, because I had a long discussion with another farmer about it, My thing is, because this other person I was talking to, they were like, I'm tired of the algorithm switching and all this other stuff. How do you deal with it? And I told them I don't look at followers and I don't look at all that stuff because from a small business point of view, if you're looking to sell your product, it's within that local area yeah so just because you have eight hundred followers, that does not translate to eight hundred strings of income to your small business, yeah so from the my point of view, my thing is. Stay, have a social media presence. Yes. But you need to be more focused on your grassroots pr- um, promotion. Mm-hmm. Getting yourself out there word of mouth, going to local newspapers and let them promote you more on social media sites. And then you can attract more people.
1: Yeah. So, like, go on other podcasts. Go on
0: other podcasts. Talk with people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do whatever. Because I know. Um, some people be like, oh, Dejong got to have like over a thousand some followers. I have like 700, but I don't pay attention to those numbers. I pay more attention to the people that I see every day. Yeah. And the yeah. only people that I pay attention to on social media are other farmers that are going to ask me questions that we will talk about on the podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have 1,700 followers yeah. on Instagram, and I don't have, you know, but that only transfers to so many downloads. Like, you get their attention, but then you've mm-hmm. got to keep their interest. And those are two very different things.
0: So that was my, like, only thing with that is, is, like, if you're a local business, you need to focus super heavy on your grassroots first yep. before you even think about, like, oh, we need – uh, if we have 3 million followers – no, Farmer's getting 3 million followers. If we have 3 million followers, and that means our business is doing really, really well. If we do a Reels or a TikTok every single day, that's going to do really good for our business. It's like everybody – Every business is not looking at reels. Every person not looking at TikTok. Mm-mm. So, but if you are doing something like you, yeah, you need social media. Yeah. I said this before, like people who do content need social media. People that do, like say if you do a live podcast at, at the farmer's market, you need social media to show clips of you doing your live podcast so that people are interested in listening to your podcast. Mm-hmm. My podcast model is completely different because it's super educational. I don't have to send out clips yeah. of people seeing stuff.
1: Yeah, they come to you.
0: Yeah, I just have to, just have to show them that I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I do that on social media by doing my cozy lessons or I put, lo- I put down like pro tip, this thing can help with this. Yeah. And then people might see on my story, oh, he does a podcast. Let me see what he has on his podcast. And then they'll see a whole catalog of more stuff that I even talk
1: about. Yeah, it's about building credibility. So it's how do you do that.
0: But then full circle that goes back around to our niches. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: you have that niche, I have my niche, and then there might be a third person that would be like, well, this is my niche and I see it from this point of view.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. I think it's about knowing what can work for you and being willing to also look outside the lines. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, you were right. I came in here and was like, I'm going to do a podcast at a farmer's market. And that, to my knowledge, has not been done before. I mean, nobody has ever
0: done that in the history of ever farmer's markets. You are the very first person to (laughs) ever have a podcast live at a farmer's market.
1: And it wor- and it works. Like, yeah. it works out well, and I get great conversations from it. You mm-hmm. know, and, and that builds into part of my podcast. You know, uh, what's neat though is that that's just one part of it. You know, that's just one part of the community aspect of it. But I like it because it gets people. You know, coming back. Like I have regular listeners. You know, so for me, I don't care about how many followers I have. I care about how many regular listeners I have. How many How many people are coming back? You know, what are they coming back for?
0: So, let's get into your podcast. All right, let's go. Let's get into your podcast. What made you want to decide to take a career in podcasting?
1: So, I had been working at UGA for about 15 years, and I kind of hated it. I hated the 9 to Mm 5. So, I quit, um, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and so I spent a year as a substance abuse uh, counselor, And that was not the best year of my life because I don't have healthy boundaries. But I realized then that I wanted to talk to people Mm -hmm. and I wanted to kind of talk to people about mindset, you know, and and so I look at kindness as like a mindset, as like a way of being. And so I wanted to talk to people about that, but I didn't know quite how yet. I thought I was going to write a book maybe. And then I was listening to podcasts and I realized that my voice was how I wanted. I wanted to use my actual voice to tell people what I have to say. And so I ended up deciding on podcasting. And ever since then, it's it's been a I mean it's it's a wonderful thing to do because you can be as creative as you want with your art, you know, like when I do interviews and such.
0: So when you decide to do a podcast, you do you know how many podcasts there are?
1: Yeah, there's a, over a million, right?
0: No, there's more than that.
1: Oh, how many? We're
0: in like the 9 millions now. I believe it. Yeah, so there's 9 million podcasts. When you so, when people see that there's so many podcasts, it discourages people to be a podcaster. Oh, yeah. And then you'll have some podcasters that are... They're not career podcasters. So, I I consider... Like, you have two sides of podcasting. You have the career podcasters, and then you just have the people that are just trying to spew out nonsense. Yeah. So, I consider you a career podcaster, because yeah. you're actually trying to turn this into a business. hmm And so, what in the podcast world made you say because you could have just did this podcast without even thinking about doing it as a career yeah because all the stuff you're doing right now the the amount of work you're putting into this like you're treating is like a business yeah so what made you want to say I'm, I'm gonna tackle this as a business
1: um i think because i wanted to i wanted to make it something that's out there and that has a presence like, I didn't want my podcast to just be another podcast. I mm-hmm. wanted it to be something that people looked forward to, something that people listened to, like a radio show, but for the Internet, mm-hmm. you know. So I treat it like that. I treat it like a show because it is, you know. I treat it like a job because it is. And I, uh, I am trying to, like, I'm very responsive to uh, my, when people give feedback on mm-hmm. the podcast because, you know, if, if they're liking interviews, I'll notice, you know, I pay attention to what interviews are um, downloaded more than others, you know, and that really helps me get a sense, you know, how, how much of it is completed. You know, that gives me a sense of what people are interested in. And I take all that information and I actually apply it because I want people to want to listen to what I'm talking about. You know, because kindness can be an arbitrary thing and it can be a thing that's like, it doesn't really matter to people. They're like, oh yeah, you're supposed to be kind. haha. Yeah, you're also not supposed to kill people. But, I look at it, like I said, as more of a mindset, and I like um, I like other people to think of it like that, and so that's kind of why I take that business approach to it.
0: So you kind of answered this too, but why why did you pick? You kind of answered this, but why did you pick double down on mental health and self uh, self care yeah. and stuff like that?
1: Well, because it's not something that I've always been great at and so we teach what we need to learn ourselves Mm -hmm. so i need reminders almost daily to be a kind person to not be a jerk um i need reminders almost daily to take care of my mental health to take care of my mental wellness i need reminders almost daily to be involved in community and to maintain those connections and so this is how i get that
0: so in so every podcast like nowadays you can't People try to do this where they try to be the Joe Rogans and they have, like, a huge, broad, like, niche of I'll talk about anything. Yeah. But describe your niche more. Because you are describing it. And people are going to be like, Dejan, why are you asking stupid questions? Like, No, you're good. Want to dive deeper into, like, because my niche are people who are growers, Mm-hmm. enthusiastic about the farm world and agricultural world mm-hmm. and people who are starting off and don't know what to do yet yeah and so they come to my show and they're like hey he's talking about this these are things that i need help with yeah so what describe your niche and then i want you to answer why did you pick this niche
1: okay So my niche is more people who live in the Athens and Winterville area who want to hear about their community and all the good that it's doing. Mm. So they don't want that typical uh, story. I mean, some of the stories, we're lucky. I think the Athens Banner Herald does a good job with its stories. And so I think some of them are are naturally very, like, kindness-driven. But it's just a different way of looking at our community. So it's designed for people in the Athens and Winterville area to look at their community differently and to build a connection to it. And to recognize that you know there's all different sides of it um and i pick that niche because that is something i found athens to be very welcoming when i came here Mm -hmm. and i want that for people um i also believe that it is one of the kindest places in the world and i think there's just a lot of a lot of that that we can showcase um and since i'm on the ground i can do that and so i do
0: that's cool what do you think is the next level for your podcast
1: I think the next level is um, expanding to the Athens market. Um, so not just doing the Winterville Marigold market, but maybe the Athens Farmers market as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and expanding in, in the sense of having more stories from both Athens and Winterville. Because um, I just released the Squale uh, interview. He's a local Athens hip-hop artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got some Athens folks, but I've got more Winterville folks. And so i got to figure out, I think, how I'm going to handle that moving forward.
0: So are you wanting to have, like, a studio space or anything?
1: I've thought about it, yeah.
0: Like, I know you said you've done this out of your house. Yeah. But, like, so, like, from a business point of view, like, how far of a business thing would you like to go by twenty by the end of 2022?
1: Oh, I'd like to have it where I have my own office space. So people okay. come to me for interviews. Like, yeah. That's smart. Yeah, that's, that's what I would like. Um, I, and I think that could easily be done. I you know I'm working on sponsors now. The goal was to get to 500 downloads first, Mm -hmm. um, and I have I have surpassed that. So uh, I'm now looking at like sponsors, and I'm gonna go on Patreon so that I can get different support levels with that. There you go. Yeah. Well, because Patreon is basically just social media on steroids, and people pay for it.
0: Yeah, they love it. So Uh, there's also other. uh, We'll talk about this after the show. Other uh, means of uh, monetizing your page too. Yeah then patreon you know other along with patreon yep. but i was going to say like don't monetize now go for it yeah don't exactly. wait don't wait for downloads yeah go for it
1: yeah i just wanted to hit that initial benchmark well and now i have a good solid social media presence too and so i'm going on other podcasts to talk about it mm-hmm. um and i think all of that is kind of like snowballing
2: so it seems to be going well
0: that's cool, though. I'm happy for you. Yeah, thank you. And I'm happy that you're starting to look for sponsors now. Yes. And I feel like you're going to get a ton of them pretty soon. I'm hoping. Your podcast is really good.
2: Thank
0: you. So, but to end, because I know I'm answering these questions for the podcast people that who are thinking of starting a podcast. And they might be hesitant on why like maybe I can't start one and but in reality anybody can start one and anybody can get different types of sponsors. Yeah. So from that point of view, would you talking about sponsors cuz people are always going to be asking. I know I get a, the question a lot of how do I get sponsors? And then when I get sponsors, how do I get paid from sponsors? Well, it's
1: really easy. You just you want to have an idea about what you're going to charge for. So the way I'm doing sponsorship right now is for so so much time on each episode,
0: mm-hmm. so many times
1: a month. So, you know, basically 45 seconds twice a month, you know, and I have four episodes a month. So it's 50% of the time. That way I don't, you know, have too much of one specific sponsor. Um, but you can make it as simple as that and then just go to a business or um, usually uh, like some of the easiest ones to pitch to are uh real estate agents. Mm-hmm. They're always looking to get their name out there. So practice on them. You know, no offense to real estate agents, but there's a lot of them so you can easily talk to them.
0: No, cuz you're going to go to the companies that spend a lot on marketing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they do. So,
0: so. you would go to like banks or mm-hmm. you would go to maybe a magazine or uh mm-hmm. Uh, I know sometimes a, a great way to see if a company is spending money on press is to go on their Facebook page and to see how much press they do like yeah. if you see if they do sponsors on Facebook watch or they're sponsoring their you know promote pay promotion on Instagram or something that's a good way to find that out
1: or check out when you're dry, when you're at a red light by a high school and it has all those places that are sponsors, mm-hmm. literally take a picture of that banner and go to those places and be like, "Hey, I saw that you sponsored this event. Would you like to sponsor my event?" That's simple that's cool yeah because you're actually usually if that's a bigger event you're equating your event to theirs and mm-hmm. in the mind that's actually a really good easy trick to do
0: so i like that's how you do yours because everybody in my opinion should monetize their podcast how they see fit yes so some people do it by the episodes some people do it like you're doing it um the way i do it is is the ad campaign mm-hmm. you pay like we're gonna pay this lump sum and we'll run your ad for this long. Yeah. So I treat it like a commercial. Like mm-hmm. you you pay this much, you get this many months, but for this price. Yeah. And some people do it where it's like, Hey, we're we're gonna promote you for the whole entire year, we're gonna use promo code everything, and they treat it like a full on thing. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about podcasting. It, it is turning into like the next network kind of thing. It is, yeah. Like before everybody was like, oh, you got to get on a TV show to get noticed and stuff. But now if you just have like a really good podcast and if you just stay consistently doing it, then you'll get big numbers that way. Yeah. And there's tons of companies now like my favorite, uh Water, Liquid Death. They're not sponsoring this show. But... uh they're like looking seeing that podcasting is like where we're going to get our next like uh promotions now, yeah. Because since there's so many podcasts, it just if if I was a company, like say if I had a coffee business, I would be looking for podcasts to be like, hey, we're going to pay you this much to promote our show to mm-hmm. however many listeners you have, mm-hmm. even if it's one or two, one or two of people can reach out to many more people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You only, well, that's the thing I think a lot of people are recognizing is, again, it's that grassroots type of investment too. One or two people can tell one or two more people and that's Mm -hmm. four people. And those four people can tell four more people and you've got eight and then you got 16 and you know, like it just keeps going and going. And so I think, you know, investors are paying attention to the power of that grassroots movement. And with a podcast, you're right in someone's head. And and they're listening to you for advice. So they're going to listen to you about everything that you say, you know. Mm -hmm. And so and I think that's that's not something that other platforms can necessarily uh, say they do. Like a TV show can't say, hey, they're coming here for this. You know, Mm -hmm. they're coming there to be entertained. They're not coming there for
2: information.
0: Well, that TV shows deal with the whole demographic numbers Mm -hmm. and all that other stuff. So, yeah. Would you ever put your podcast on YouTube? And I mean, I know it's on YouTube now for uh, audio, but like, would you do a visual on yeah. YouTube?
1: Yeah, I thought about it. Um, I if if it were easy, it, like if if someone would help me set it up to where I just have to hit play, yeah, I absolutely I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably gonna end up going to some model like that for Patreon anyway. Um, for one of the top tiers, like uh, one of the ideas I had for that was to do an hour of live editing where mm-hmm. people can come and, and for an hour like Wednesdays or whatever they'll hear me edit the podcast and so they can hear it being made
0: would you consider getting a podcast producer
1: yeah I've thought about that I, I really need it because I have ADHD and so I get distracted
0: easily well it's not even on that point I just noticed that like now like shout out to whoever might be a podcast producer trying to listen to the show some people get it confused when they hear podcast producer. They're thinking that it's somebody that spends money onto the show. Yeah. Well, podcast producing is basically the person that edits the show. Yeah. And gets all the guests lined up. Like, they're conducting the show. And you're the star who is offering the talent for the show. Yeah, and I would like the, that. And their whole job is to make sure the sound is right, make sure the, the video looks good. Mm-hmm. If you ever seen the Joe Rogan podcast, it's the Jamie guy. Yeah. you're basically jamie yeah and well you don't have to google everything but it could be any kid in the world i've had ai have one of my cousins be my podcast producer for two episodes yeah and he really liked it and so now he's studying more i told him this is not a long-term thing like just two episodes because i hurt my hand and i couldn't type
2: yeah
0: but uh he liked it and he saw that i was a thing that he could get into so now he's looking more into audio engineering and video creation because yeah. he was like this is like a new type of job now
1: well and him having that skill set will matter more than he, all he has to do is say he was part of a like a podcast and people will want his skill set mm-hmm. you know that's just as valuable as any other internship if not more so
0: so you would so you would put your show on youtube yep Or just Patreon. Patreon can do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely would. Um, And I think uh, I try to make my social media like kind of focused on me Mm -hmm. because I think my personality comes out in the podcast, and I think that's what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. And so, um, absolutely, yeah, I would. If if there's an opportunity to have more of my authentic self represented for the podcast, yeah, absolutely, I would do that.
0: That's cool, though. Well, okay. Last question. Mm -hmm. As your podcast grows. And the community gets bigger because there's there's stuff going down in Marigold. Yeah. The way I made that sound sound like there was something evil going on. There's good things going down in Marigold. Yeah. But uh as your podcast gets bigger and the community gets bigger, how how influential do you think your podcast will be based off of the community?
1: I so uh what I have an example of that. Um the city council race right mm-hmm. now. I have invited all of the contestants to come and be interviewed on my podcast.
0: Oh, look at you. Mm -hmm.
1: And that, yeah, and that started with Bruce. Yep, he actually sought me out and said, I'd like to be on your podcast to talk about my run for city council. And so I invited them. I already had Amanda Mooney on, who's a current city councilwoman. Um, But I'll have Melissa Metzinger. Um, and then I can't remember the other person running. But yeah, I'm going to have all of them on there. So I think I already have a, a more influence than I thought I had in that sense because I was sought out for that.
0: That is awesome.
1: Yeah, that was really exciting.
0: Dang, I'm glad I asked that question. Me too. Because now we all know people of Athens and Winterville, listen. well, this don't of Athens, but people of Winterville, uh, watch uh, Victoria's podcast or listen to it. Little Decisions. To see a political debate. Yeah, it's (laughs) going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Hey, look at you doing all this hard work. Tell everybody where they can find you and listen to your show.
1: All right, so you can find me at littledecisionspodcast.com or just search Little Decisions wherever you get your podcast. I'm on Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere.
0: Oh, we do have one last question. What What is your obsession with pineapples?
1: Okay, so I just like them. I just think they're really fun. So pineapples are like me. They're unique and yet recognizable. They're sweet on the inside, but spiky on the outside. And they're just fun.
0: You are not spiky on the outside. Um, you're right about Who told you you was spiky on the outside? I don't know. You look like the most approachable person I in the world. Okay. What the? Who told <laughs> you this? My
1: husband.
0: Yeah, your husband lied. You know why he told you that? You know why he told you that? So that no other dude would come up to you and there try to... Go. Yeah. No. Who the <laughs> heck you you were spiky on the if anybody's a pineapple in this building is me that's true in the world yeah. who told you did you had a oh i'm, I'm a spiky on the outside <laughs> hey heck, you're the most approachable person here
1: it's true you know what people often think i work at the market because they just come up to me and they're like um can i ask you a question
0: i get confused as being a cartel person <laughs> over you spiky who told you that <laughs> your husband did that look what's your husband's name micah Mi- micah look i know what you're doing like you did this <laughs> because you did want nobody else coming up to her because she's super approachable you won you ain't gotta you ain't gotta pull up this facade no more we can stop this <laughs> like who don't don't ever come up with a new reason why you like pineapples all right yeah, come up with a new reason. And I'll come back on. Yeah, come back on with a whole new reason of yeah. why you grow pineapples. And again, you can't grow pineapples in this part of Georgia. People keep asking me that. You can't. You cannot.
1: No, nope, it's because of the hummingbirds.
0: It's also because of our climate here.
1: Well, yeah, that
0: too. Yeah, don't make me get scientifical. All right, guys, thank you for listening to the show. Go follow Little Decisions. And if you want to go listen to my episode, what episode was that?
1: It was, oh gosh, it was one of the first
0: ones. One of the first ones. My name is on it. You see a different side of Cozy, and I tell weird stories that could get me in trouble. But it's cool. They're fun. They're fun. Thank you guys for listening. Hit that like and subscribe button. Cozy's out.